Hey, I'm Danny Levy, and you're listening to Digital Transformation and Leadership. This is the show where we go behind the scenes with today's top business leaders to understand how they're digitally transforming their company. This week, my guest is Laura Bernhard, the founder and host of the Marketing Bound podcast and inbound and marketing strategist at Vector Networks. Laura, welcome to Digital Transformation and Leadership. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me on. It is such a privilege and an honor. Fantastic. It's my honor that you're here. You're dialing in all the way from, from Canada and I'm, I'm here in Singapore. So the yep. first interview I've done actually on the Digital Transformation and Leadership podcast where my guest's still been in there, been in there previous day and I'm already kicking off my day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it's it's different, but super cool, and I'm honored that I'm the first. So really, really good that you're here, Laura. So to kick us off, would you would you be able to introduce yourself and and who you are and and what it is that you do? Absolutely. So I've had a marketing career for the last six years, and I specialize in inbound marketing. I also started the Marketing Bound podcast, and that is where we focus on inbound marketing strategies for service-based entrepreneurs specifically. And I also help clients on the side with their podcasting needs. So that is like a quick version of what I've been up to. And when you say you help clients on the side with their Mm -hmm. podcasting needs, obviously I'm a bit of a a podcast geek myself, you might have guessed. Um, What does that that mean? How does that work? Yeah, so because I've been in inbound marketing, and for those who may not be aware, inbound marketing is like content creation, blogging, social media, um, email nurturing, so all the things companies normally work on, it's actually under an umbrella called inbound marketing. And when I started my podcasting, people realized, hey, this is a form of content creation, and I also want to make a podcast. So people started asking me, so many questions about podcasting that I kind of just took it on as like a coaching um, career or avenue, Mm -hmm. (laughs) wherever you want to call it. But yeah, so I just help people launch their podcasts. And is it is it fully end to end? How does it work, Laura? No, right now I'm just focusing on people from idea to launch. Okay. Yeah. And then hopefully eventually when I have more time, I'll help people grow their podcast, um, marketing techniques, um, all kinds of things. But right now I'm just focusing uh, from idea and uh, to launch, but also I'm only targeting entrepreneurs. So making sure that they are building a profitable podcast for their business. So so when you're talking to entrepreneurs and and, and, uh, and founders, what 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 mm-hmm. what is it? What's the kind of common pain point that you normally see? Why is it they, that they want to get started with a podcast? And and what do you think it is that podcasting really brings to the table in terms of benefits? Okay, that first question was amazing because I think most people wanted to start a podcast just because it's like the fad, mm-hmm. and people and everybody is starting. So I've had people ask me, hey, I want to start a podcast. I'm not sure where to start. So I'll ask them a question like, oh, well, what podcasts do you listen to? And they're like, oh, I don't listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. So there is kind of a disconnect right now just because podcasts are so huge. But the more and more I tell people about it and I guide people on how it can help their businesses, then they realize like, oh, there's a lot more to this than just getting in front of a mic and talking. It's building a community, it's building a leadership, it's building um, 
well even generating leads right mm-hmm. and i'm sure you've you've benefited from a lot of these things by having your own podcast so i think that once you get over that disconnect and you really invest time into learning about the benefits um then it can be a huge source source of leads and just brand identity to your business yeah so yeah. I think the big the big thing with podcasting, Laura, is that you've got to really commit. You have to yes. if you if you want to start a podcast, it's not it's not something you can just do once every four weeks or no. once every couple of months and expect to build an audience, a kind of loyal following. Um, and you really have to have a strategy in place, don't you? You have to really think through what's my end yeah. goal here, uh, and then really commit to. To being able to interview people on a on a weekly basis and get out those weekly releases at least. I know there's some podcasts that release three or four episodes a week. Yeah, I'm not which quite is crazy. there yet. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's exactly why I help people just from idea to launch. Because once you have that foundation and it's really aligned with your business, then the rest is just the commitment. Mm. Right. If you have a great niche to start off with, if you have a marketing strategy to start off with and it's very aligned with your business, you're, you're gold. Yeah. So people like to skip over that part and kind of just get a mic, get the most expensive equipment, which we'll talk about later. But mm. people are like, oh, let's just, you know, get rid of this really fancy stuff and just start. And although it's possible to do that, that's usually people do that when it's for fun. When you want it to be aligned with your business and generate leads, that's when you have to really spend more time on that foundation. Mm. And you don't need super expensive equipment to start. I mean, you can start with a pair of Apple um, headphones and use Zoom and, you know, get good guests on and just get the hang of things first and figure it out. And then the more expensive equipment and the lighting can come later. That is always my first piece of advice. Mm. Did you know, I have a fun fact. I'm not sure if you know this, but that the average podcaster does seven shows and then stops yes i i think i'd heard or read this somewhere as well seven so that's like what seven weeks so -hmm. that means you bought equipment that costs hundreds of dollars for seven weeks seven shows yeah that's ridiculous my first piece of advice is always like let's do it on a budget of zero dollars because it's possible if you like it in seven weeks, if you get to your 10th episode and you still want to do it, then yes, then you can upgrade. But to begin with, the only thing I bought at first was a mic. Yeah. That's it. Because my my phone wasn't at the level that it needed to be. A no. mic. And I, and I recorded in a closet, literally. <laughs> even if you haven't got the money for the mic, you can get started using your phone. You can use yes. software like um, Anchor FM to even record it, and distribute to all the different services. It's very easy now. It's so easy because it's so popular. It's so easy and it's so mm. inexpensive. I think the biggest key when starting is not the equipment. It's the sound quality. Yes. So I made the mistake at first, my first 10 interviews I did, I did them in person. I thought, oh, it's gonna be so great. I can get pictures, some extra content to promote. It's gonna be amazing. Little did I know that the room we were in was echoey. 
So right. my first 10 episodes, although super valuable, every single episode sounded different. It was not consistent and some of them obviously were worse than others. So if I can recommend anything is spend time adjusting your room that you're in that you're going to record in. Mm. And I chose a closet, so it was really inexpensive for me. I just sat on the floor. Like, it wasn't glamorous at all. <laughs> it wasn't glamorous at all, but it worked. And, and what, when what, I made that transition, it was yeah. so much better. The, even the listeners noticed, and I got comments on it. Yeah. What's your thoughts, Laura, around sound quality versus content quality? Do you think that if the content's spot on and, and you're really uh, you're getting it right for your audience niche and, and you're kind of addressing all of their challenges and needs that the sound quality isn't as important? Okay, that's a great question because obviously the content is super important, but with podcasting, if you don't have good sound quality, people will not listen. Mm. They just won't. They won't tolerate it because that's how you're delivering your your product, I guess. Like the product is your podcast. Yeah. The delivery is through their ears, through their earphones. If it's a terrible experience, they're not going to tolerate it. Yeah. I guess it's the same as uh, a visual uh, television or the movies. If you went to the movie now and you had uh, yeah. VHS quality, you, you, you might not sit through the best film. Uh, we're exactly. so used to, you know, HD, high definition, 4K. Uh, exactly. As well as the best sound. Yeah. So, and people normally listen to podcasts while they're doing other things. So let's say you're washing the dishes, you're vacuuming, you're working out, you're on a walk. So if all of a sudden it's echoey or it's scratchy or you can barely hear someone, like you're disrupting what they're doing almost. Yeah. So I think my opinion is that sound quality is more important and people should be focusing on that before anything else really. And, and what's, mm -hmm. what's your thoughts around, um, I hear a lot of the time that, that podcasting now is too saturated. Everyone has a podcast. Uh, like we've mm -hmm. discussed, it's so easy to get started. Why would I bother now, you know, <clears throat> entering the market when, you know, everyone has a podcast and how am I going to stand out? And if you look at certain categories, things like sales, things like marketing, things like digital transformation, mm -hmm. digital marketing, there's a whole plethora of different podcasts you can already choose from with, with big back, back, back catalogs. So... What would you say to that, Laura, when you hear that? People are still making YouTube channels and there are over a billion channels. And for podcasting, there are less than a million active podcasters. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge difference. So it's absolutely not saturated. Anybody can make a podcast and benefit from it. And especially if you're creating a podcast for your business, your goals are, are going to be different. So you care less about the number of downloads and you care mm -hmm. more about the people who are listening. So if you have 10 qualified leads listening to your podcast, that's going to be way more valuable to you than getting hundreds of people listening to your podcast. Mm. So then your focus is not going to be uh, the next Joe Rogan, like a lot of people do or want to do, right? Yep. Your podcast is going to be a point where your customers are going to hit before they buy from you mm -hmm. and then you use that as a point in their funnel as opposed to just focusing on the number of listens per episode yeah well it really humanizes your brand doesn't it you're no longer just mm -hmm. uh 
you're no longer a website or a faceless organization if you've got a, a top decision maker or your CMO or your CEO hosting the podcast it really brings exactly. the company to life exactly love it Laura we better get into the topic for today <laughs> otherwise we're going to end up <clears throat> eating up all the time on podcasting although I do love yeah. to talk about podcasts we'll have to do another episode around podcasting I feel yeah that'd be amazing I love yeah. talking about it too yeah, so, so the topic we're going to get into today is all around how entrepreneurs can get consumed by technology. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, this is something I'm very interested in, having um, set up a number of businesses and leading a company at the moment in Singapore. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel that, you know, a lot of founders do spend too much time maybe thinking about what the latest technologies are and and looking at how they can work that into the workflow or into the tech stack of the company without really thinking through why they would need that in the first place. So this is really exciting. So you've got Mm -hmm. three points here that we're going to talk through. So I'm I'm really keen to get into them. And the first point we're going to talk through is the importance of being lean. So Laura, would you be able to talk us through this this first point? Absolutely. So after interviewing 60 entrepreneurs, I got a little insight into how their businesses worked, how their processes, their workflows, the software they used. And after hearing so many stories, I realized that the most successful people were always the most flexible, right? And that's where the term lean comes in, where you're agile, you can move um, in like five minutes if you need to. You need you can shift something really, really quickly. However, sometimes I speak to people and they're so, as you mentioned, consumed by the technology mm. that it's a distraction as opposed to a value add to their business. And I thought that this topic, topic of conversation is super important because um, I don't know about you, but I was looking for a software the other day and I could not believe at how many options there were. It is crazy. And for everything, email marketing, uh, scheduling meetings, just even for podcasting, there are so many options now. It's crazy. And it's so easy to look into every single option. You know, you start comparing prices, you start comparing features, you start... Um, emailing them, asking them questions, and then you forget why you were looking for the software in the first place. And then on top of all that, most of the time, we're looking for software that we don't even need yet. And I caught myself doing this the other day. Oh, I have such a good example for you. So I was looking for like a, a CRM, like a customer relationship management software so that I could yep. put all my podcasting stuff in there. You know, all the people I've talked to, all their emails, you know, just to keep everything clean. And I interviewed Chris Ward. So she's someone that I I interviewed. She's an entrepreneur. And she had mentioned that she uses spreadsheets for everything. Yeah. And she's successful. She has a profitable business. She has a small team. And I was like, hmm, why am I thinking that I need this software when I have spreadsheets, like I'm one person managing my business, why do I need more? Anyway, fast forward a week or so, and I'm interviewing Scott Ferguson, and he also has a podcast, and his podcast has like 
12,000 listens per episode. He does five episodes a week. Massive, right? And you know what he uses? Spreadsheets. And I was like, holy smokes, what am I doing wrong? Why am I being consumed by this technology? And that's because, you know, we want to be hip. We think that our our business can only function and be successful if we have this technology, but that's not the case. And what Scott told me, and it's like the best thing ever. I was so excited and I'm so excited to share it with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) So he said, whenever someone's on his show, he gives them a guest form and he uses Google Forms for that. So it's free, right? So everybody fills it out. And then what I didn't know is that Google Forms can automatically populate a spreadsheet. So it creates the spreadsheet for you. What? (laughs) Literally, I don't know if you knew that, and I'm just the only one nerding out about this. But I did not know that. I, I just took a note, Laura, and I yeah. circled it three times. <laughs> I'm nerding exactly. out silently in the background while you talk. It, it is <laughs> that amazing, though, because I was like, are you serious right now? Yeah. And then I completely let go of the whole looking for software, because, again, I'm one person. And although I have a lot of guests to manage, I don't need something fancy that costs $20 or even $10 a month when I have free Google Forms that connects to the spreadsheet and populates itself. Mm -hmm. Right there, the best example I can tell you. I love the example. It's so true. I think it's so important that we simplify things as well as much as possible. Because although yes. things can do so many cool things, I mean, CRM is a great example if you think about uh, some of the yeah. big ones, all the different functionality they have and, and what they can do for the sales teams and the marketing teams. And then you yeah. think about how they're actually utilized. It's probably mm-hmm. only really four or like five 5%. key functions yeah. that are used a day versus all of the different bells and whistles that, are, that come along with the CRM. And I, and I feel, and just like me, just like the story I just told you, people look for software before they need it. Mm-hmm. So another example is, let's say, email marketing, okay? Yeah. It's great to use email marketing automations. Awesome. I use, I've used it for clients. I've used it for jobs. It works well. However, you don't need that if you don't have leads coming in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you have one or two leads, you can do that manually that's not going to take you a lot of time yeah if you if you start having 50 leads hundreds of leads okay i understand but as an entrepreneur chances are you're not managing that many leads to begin with why do you need a a drip campaign for leads that you don't have yeah or even an email list there are free email list builders okay but people are like looking at ones for $200 a month. If you mm-hmm. have five people on your list, you can use Google to literally send that to them yeah. once a week or once a month. Like you do not need to be looking into these, the software that's just going to cost you. And they trick you <laughs> because they're like, oh, it's only $10 a month, which sounds amazing, right? Yeah. But that's $120 a year. Mm-hmm. And then... How many subscriptions do you have? How many yeah. did you sign up to that you've forgotten about? Yeah. 
Or they make it so complicated to unsubscribe. Yeah. But you can't do it. Those are the worst. <laughs> yeah, they are. I, I just, I was testing, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, a, like a social media scheduler. Okay. And I could, I did not know how to figure, I couldn't figure out how to unsubscribe before they charged me. So I just emailed. I was mm -hmm. like, hey, get me out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I was more polite. But yeah. I was annoyed that I couldn't do it by myself. Yeah. I had one one the other day as well. They give you a code when you sign up. It was uh, something similar. It was a social media kind of recommendations tool. Mm -hmm. um, so you could get uh, testimonials and reviews put up on the website. And mm -hmm. they give you a code when you signed up. And I tried to input the code to cancel. And guess what? The code didn't work. Of so, course not. Yeah. So I had to Why email and get it cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so... And then in subscriptions, like this also goes for probably your personal life too. Mm. It's like you have Netflix, you have Crave, you have Prime, you have like God knows what. It just adds up. Yeah. yeah. It adds up really, really quickly. And especially in a business where you're less concerned about the costs, right? Because you're like, mm. oh, well, I can just, you know, write it off. It's not coming out of my personal pocket, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all... It's all fake. It's all coming out of your pocket. You're wasting your money. Yeah. That's why it's an important conversation to have. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Laura, I'm interested. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm setting up a company. Um, mm -hmm. what, what is the kind of, in your opinion, what's the kind of foundational technology stack you should be looking at and how much budget do you really need to set aside? I think it depends on how much you're making, really. Mm. So if you're making less than $100,000, well, you have to think about paying yourself. You have to think about, okay, what tools do you actually need? Which ones are you using every single day? Mm -hmm. Those are the ones you should be keeping. Everything else, look for a free version. Like to me, the fact that I discovered Excel on a whole new level, <laughs> all these spreadsheets, I want to be using this for quite a while. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're you need to get fancy and like I don't want to blame anyone if they do have a lot of subscriptions like I don't want to make anyone feel bad but it's all this technology is also I it's kind of like an ego boost mm -hmm. you know when we have the, like the newest the latest technology like oh look at what I'm using you know look at this look at that and you kind of have to strip it away and have mm. a good foundation of your business that's generating leads and money yep before adding all this automation that you think is helping you when yep. it's not yeah. <laughs> Cele celebrate being able to pay your team being able to pay the office rent and being able to to post exactly. up a, a, a big net profit at the end of the yeah. the first have or second year before have, you before you go off showcasing your technology stack Exactly. Have, have uh, you know, testimonials, customer stories. Then you say, okay, we have 100 customers. Let's see how we can automate this. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like, what? why do you have so many subscriptions? Mm. You know? I know people who have, like, MailChimp subscriptions, right? Yeah. Okay, so first of all, I hate MailChimp. There are a million other better tools that people can use. So if anyone wants recommendations, please message me. But... Um, she wasn't using it and she had a yearly subscription. I'm like, why? Because you yeah. saved $10? Mm -hmm. So I think 
to be more lean, first of all, you have to admit to yourself that you might have subscriptions that you don't need. Yeah. And then strip them away. Mm. And then look at cost-effective alternatives, which are usually the things that we already have on our computer. Yeah. Or on your phone. Absolutely. And leverage those. If you can leverage those and still make money, you're killing it. I'm interested, uh, Laura, as well. You you talked about um, just the confusion in the market. So when you were going out to look at uh, technology providers or SaaS solutions, mm-hmm. there's just such an overwhelming number of different companies across the, the various kind of vendor categories or marketing categories to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any recommendations for the listeners on and what it is that they would need to do just to be able to stand out a bit more or to, to kind of be first in, in the customer's minds? So for the vendor perspective? Yeah, for the vendor. Yeah, because it is chaos out there. Yeah. And I mean, the last, the last time I looked at, say, the e-commerce landscape, for example, there's over 7,000 companies you can, you can pick from. Oh, isn't it crazy? Yeah. If I had to give a recommendation... I'd probably focus on user experience. Hmm. So then your customers are recommending your product to other people. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I've used an email marketing software. It's called called Autopilot, Okay? okay? They don't use any money towards marketing because their customers always refer the product. Mm-hmm. And so if you go look for email marketing, software, email nurturing, whatever, um, maybe now they changed it. But the last time I spoke to them, you never found them on a web, on any like comparison websites, on any vendors or anything like that because their customers were so satisfied. Yeah. So I don't think it's about standing. You don't want to stand out next to all your competitors. You just want to be top of mind. Yeah. And that is possible if your customers love your product. So be really good at making sure that they're happy. That's it. And I think I I completely agree with you. I think word of mouth now is mm-hmm. is such an important tactic to to so be powerful. Using. Um, yeah. You know, if we think of ourselves as consumers. Uh, if someone recommends, say, a podcasting microphone to us, we're probably much more likely mm-hmm. to consider that microphone over the 50 others that we could be looking at. Uh, yeah, or, and just when like, we, or when we used to go on holiday, right? I mean, the, what was the mm-hmm. first thing you used to go before you uh, before you booked a hotel? Yeah, you're going to ask somebody. Yeah, or go to TripAdvisor, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look at all the reviews. I mean... Uh, you, but you, it's would, all you would always based. go, yeah. You'd always stay with that five-star review-based hotel versus the three-three-star hotel. Yeah. Well, think about Amazon. Mm. You can. It, there's like a thousand of the same product. You're gonna look at all the reviews. You're mm-hmm. gonna look at what other people are saying. People listening to this episode right now, if they're looking for an email marketing software, they're gonna look into Autopilot. Yeah. Because I'm not being paid to tell you about it. Yeah. I just love it. <laughs> there you go. I'm gonna be looking into it straight after this. Yeah. <laughs> but do you need it though? <laughs> that's it. That's the that's the golden nugget, isn't it? Yeah. Do I really need it? Yeah. I'll do have to really talk to my it? marketing team. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a team then chances are you might need it. Yeah. How how do you, how do we go about collecting these recommendations, Laura? Do you have any rec- recommendation there? I mean, user generated content is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, the real stuff that, that comes across the social network sometimes, maybe what someone has said in a podcast, uh, mm-hmm. being able to kind of capture user experience after they've used our product or service. But, but, but how do you actually make sure that the company is, is collecting and using all of this different feedback and it's not just getting missed? So this is going to be an ironic um, statement, but there is software for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is uh, okay. social listening software. Yeah. However, that's I would only recommend that for really big companies that are constantly being mentioned in the press. Otherwise, I don't think collecting all that is as important as people just saying your name over and over again mm-hmm. so before someone purchases there's about like 10 touch points they have to make with your brand yeah so if someone hears autopilot from a friend then from this podcast then sees um sees them on a list then looks at their social media f- starts to follow them and then sees a few of their posts that's way more powerful than them knowing that i mentioned them in this podcast yeah so it's just kind of creating a web mm. of people who are going to keep mentioning your product. That's it. I think you have to build yeah. it into the culture of the company as well, don't you? You have to constantly remind yes. people and repeat yourself and say, you know, we've, we've done something for a customer. Um, mm-hmm. That customer is happy with what we've done for them or they're happy with the product. Make sure that you follow up after they've used it mm-hmm. or after the experience to, to gather and to collect that feedback. Because again, I think if you wait too long, the customer forgets or it becomes redundant. I think it also depends on the type of product because if, you're, mm. if your product is being used every day, they're not going to forget. Yeah. If your product is being used quarterly, well, I would question your whole business model. But <laughs> um, like I use autopilot almost every day. So it's always top of mind. But then the, the risk is also you can take it for granted, right? Using it every day as part of your tech stack. Why would you need to give any feedback? But because their experience is so good, mm. that's why I am now a referral. That's why I'm, I'm like a brand ambassador almost. Yeah. <laughs> and when you build brand ambassadors all over the world of people using your product, that's what you need. Those yeah. touch points to build that web. Do you think mm-hmm. that moving forward, there's often a conversation around um, brand versus experience? Um, mm-hmm. So what will drive user behavior or consumer behavior in the future? Will it be driven more by brand credibility? So you associate yourself with the, with the brand values and you would purchase an Apple phone regardless because, you know, you, you see yourself in the business and, and in the company, sorry, reflected back and you want the latest uh, phone and it doesn't matter about price or maybe mm-hmm. the Adidas running trainers or something. Uh, or is it actually the experience that you get from the product that's going to drive demand in the future? I think it starts with the brand. So mm-hmm. brand gets them through the door, but they only stay for the experience. Yeah. It's like if you go to a party, right? You go mm-hmm. because you heard that Paris Hilton is going to be there. <laughs> but when you get there and the party is terrible, um, you're going to leave. You're yeah. not going to stay with that. You're not going to stay with them, right? So people love Apple, but it's also because they love the experience. So there's a consistency. Mm. If you can have a really, really strong brand, but your reputation is going to be tarnished if you're not serving up the quality of the experience as well. 
Yeah. So they do go hand in hand, but they also serve as different parts of the funnel. Mm. So the brand is getting them through the door and the experience is keeping them there for a long time. Yeah. And like we've touched on, given the amount of choice in the market, the minute that Mm -hmm. you fail to deliver that kind of exceptional experience, it's so easy for them to go somewhere else. So easy, especially with the subscription model. Mm. You can easily cancel and then just move on. And that that's good for the consumer because we get to choose. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's good for us because we get to choose. But it also puts a lot of pressure on vendors to deliver that exceptional experience. And does true loyalty exist anymore, Laura? Brand loyalty, does it really exist? Or is it too easy for consumers to change? I think it it exists with Apple. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure if it exists anywhere else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Apple just built an empire. But I think theirs is like almost beyond a brand. It's a community, which is why they have that extra level of loyalty. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas, let's say, I don't know, like Reebok, you know, people like the brand, people buy their product, but is there that community behind it? Mm. Not really. Or I don't know about it anyway, right? Yeah. So I think eventually, yes, there's going to be a lot of focus on branding. There's going to be a lot of focus on experience. But if you want that loyalty, then you have to go the extra level and build that community. So there's a social media scheduler that i use it's called meet edgar okay and they actually have that community component where they'll have like monthly virtual parties with their users and they'll all work on content together okay right so So it becomes really collaborative exactly so it becomes a community where they're like they're not only it's not only a brand it's not only the experience but it's that community effort behind it yeah love that so So that's like the third layer yeah so that really then starts to help you cross over as a brand in terms of just being a company into more like okay this is a place where i feel valued where my opinions are heard where they really get me yeah and then that's where the loyalty comes in yeah because you're like oh it's not just a software it's also all these resources it's also Mm -hmm. all these people i have access to that's so true i think uh the minute you've got that kind of network and that community you're much more Mm -hmm. likely to keep coming back for more aren't you and and then again that trust piece that we mentioned earlier they're going to build so much more trust so when it comes to time to maybe buy a new product or service or, or renew it's 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 much less like being sold to it feels like you need to do it yep exactly so we better get into the second point i think you were were going to talk me (laughs) you were going to talk me through social media i know we may have touched on it a little bit but you're going to talk me through social media around uh uh, technology and entrepreneurs yeah so this is this kind of just goes on with our last point where Mm. in social media now there are just so many channels to be on now there's like TikTok, and now instagram has like 45 new features that we have to learn about and we get really tied up into different platforms to help us on all of these channels. And I yeah. think that's a mistake. First of all, no one should be on all of these channels. Nobody is, especially if you're an entrepreneur, oh my God, you're one person, you cannot do it. If you're a large corporation like Nike, okay, I get it. But other than that, you should be picking two to three channels to focus on 
So when, when you're looking at social media um, software, so let's say a scheduler, like I was talking about before Meet Edgar, mm-hmm. you don't want to get caught up in having a different software for different channels because that exists okay. <laughs> of course right yeah there's one for instagram there's one for tiktok there's one for facebook there's one for facebook groups there's it's the list goes on right yeah well they and tend to another, the software tends to specialize doesn't it they would hone down say that's what on they LinkedIn. say yeah and that that's good but if you're on 25 platforms um, that's not good because you're never going to use all those features. Yeah. You're never going to use that platform to the fullest potential because you're not focused on it. So again, you have to think, okay, where am I putting most of my energy? Mm-hmm. How can I help myself on this platform? Yeah. If you're posting once a week, you don't need a social media scheduler. So if you're not doing like your full week of content ahead of time, why do you have a scheduler? Yeah. Right? So it also, you really have to evaluate what you're doing personally or in your business, in your company, mm. and say, okay, how can we amplify what I'm already doing? Because if you're suddenly, if you suddenly think you're going to batch a month's worth of content and that's why you're purchasing this new software, well, that's not going to work. Yeah. Because you're never going to do it. Yeah. You have to be doing it first. You've got to and you've got then, to get started, see what works, and see where mm-hmm. the shortfall areas are before you bring in the different tools. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then a lot of the time is that you're trying to build a community on these channels, so then you're on these platforms, not to help your business, but for fun. Yeah. And where do you draw the line? I know people who are very disciplined, and they spend like ten minutes minutes on each platform that they're currently focused on and that's all they do so they spend like half an hour an hour a day but it's specifically to benefit their business that's amazing mm-hmm. yeah if you're spending another hour just scrolling through instagram <laughs> well <laughs> not not as good right yeah so this is another example where we're getting consumed by technology on two different ends this time so one it's all the software that can help you and then on the other end it's well it's kind of like fun Mm -hmm. so might as well be on the platforms as well in terms of a strategy laura um Mm -hmm. if you're getting started uh obviously like you mentioned there's a really overwhelming number of social platforms you can choose from some work Mm -hmm. better maybe with b2c some better with b2b um, mm-hmm. what, what's your recommendation there? How do you how, how do you select where to go and what to get started with? Do you just start with one? Do you start with a smaller number? Um, maybe two or three? How, how would you go about it? So first, it depends on the size of your business. Mm-hmm. If you have a team, then you can be on more platforms for sure. But if you're one person, start with one and see yeah. how much you can get done with one. And then... You also have to know where your target audience is. If you're targeting, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, let's say you're targeting leadership coaches. Well, chances are you're going to find them on LinkedIn. Yeah. And then you can probably also find them on Instagram. Okay, but those are two very different platforms. So your niche, where do they reside? Are they more professional? Probably on LinkedIn. 
or are they more like lifestyle coaches mm. you know that's where you would find them on instagram so there's a little bit of market research that absolutely needs to be done mm -hmm. and then it's also how much time do you have a week to commit to the platform yeah for example if you if you figure out that your target audience is on tiktok well then you have to be creating four to eight tiktoks a day that's a lot it's a lot of dancing that's <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of trends and dancing yes yeah. exactly so like that's a different time commitment um and just your focus is just so different if you're dancing than if yeah. you're creating valuable content on linkedin yeah if you're let's say doing video content on linkedin that's super different what do you have time for what are you going to commit to mm -hmm. where is your audience yeah i mean I, i'm a big believer in in really simplifying it starting with one mm -hmm. platform mm -hmm. uh and really looking at how you can get the very most out of that platform itself across the various different posts and engagement strategies that you can use mm -hmm. and then once you start seeing results hopefully um, and if you believe then you've, you've maximized uh, the amount of value you can get out of that platform which is super difficult right I mean even just yeah. doing something like LinkedIn if you're more b2b I mean that can take you two hours a day um, yep. longer if you've got to generate the video content and make the videos and put the subtitles up to it so you, I think if you if you try and spread yourself too thin you end up doing everything badly rather than doing one exactly. thing well and content creation is so underestimated so mm. people think oh I can make 8 TikTok videos in 2 hours that's great but then you have yeah. to schedule it you have to prepare for the actual videos maybe you have to learn the dance mm. so it's not just scheduling the time to create it, it but you months, also laura yeah <laughs> if I had to, you know i would never get any work done so your your content batching for tiktok would be different yeah, from somebody yeah. else's it'd be a lot <laughs> right? of jazz hands i think yeah. if I was on that. <laughs> oh my god let's please make a tiktok let's yeah. do that yeah. <laughs> but so content creation is super underestimated people don't realize how much time goes into it and that is very much part of all the social media channels you're on so it's not just being present on the social media it's not an, uh, on the social media channel it's not enough to just have a profile then you have to create content for it mm. which most of the time is on a daily basis and then you're probably interacting with people on that channel yeah so what software is going to help you do that mm. at one point some of my linkedin posts were getting like really popular like i got like yeah. 20 likes okay <laughs> i'm kidding nice <laughs> but vanity got, metrics anyway yeah exactly yeah. i was just looking at the vanity metrics and i'm like yeah. ooh, this is so cool and there was there's a software i don't remember what it's called right now but it helps you track all your vanity metrics basically okay. it helps you is it um, shield yes yes yeah there you so go you shout know, out like, for shield yeah so you know listening. like your reach we're not employed your... by shield no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just so that was clear yeah no it's just a new touch point for them yeah but they just for people to know um they kind of they know your reach how many likes you got how many shares you got all that stuff right mm -hmm. and to me 
like I don't care I don't like why would I mm. invest in that that does nothing to me so I can tell people I got a million views yeah that tells me nothing yeah I have posts that have gotten like 80 likes mm -hmm. but has had not led to anything and yeah. then I have posts that got four likes and then I see people who gone who went straight to my podcast to listen to it yeah I think that so the benefit like, as well, if you if you do a post that, that isn't as popular, you're much mm -hmm. more able to actually engage and have a conversation with the people that do comment on it versus yep. a post that, that goes viral that may be... And I often find the viral posts uh, are probably more generic and more surface level and, and don't go into yes. deep tactical information. It'll be something like, yes. I hired someone with no experience because they <laughs> arrived wearing a tie. And it'd be like, you know, two million likes. I mean, you're not going to get any business from that. Uh, and you won't be able to engage with the thousand people that comment on it. But if yeah. you post something tactical that's kind of tailored to your audience demographics and, and, and meets your uh, end user profile and people then engage yeah. with that, even if it's one person that matches your mm -hmm. buyer persona, uh, that, that can then lead into a, a conversation, could lead to a proposal, it could lead to business. Exactly. So even now when people talk to me about like, oh my God, how many listens do you get? Mm. I'm like, who cares? How many, how many customers did I get? That's what I yeah. want to talk to you about. Yeah. You know, like, especially in podcasting for anyone who's interested in podcasting for their business, it's, it really doesn't matter on how many people are listening. It's mm. more like who is listening. Yeah. 100%. Are they people who are already on my list? Are they mm -hmm. new potential prospects? Are so it's I think it's the same thing on LinkedIn personally. I post so that people can come to my podcast and listen to my podcast. Yeah. Sometimes I'll post I'll only promote on LinkedIn to see how many convert to actual listeners. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, all my posts that have less than twenty likes convert way better than the posts that have more. Yeah. How do Every you track how do you track how they go from LinkedIn to the podcast lessons? Um, I don't promote anywhere else. Okay. So Got I it. literally like I I have some subscribers, so like mm -hmm. I'll I'll post I post every one of my episodes at like six AM. Okay. I'll let most of the day go by so that the subscribers listen to it. And then at the end of the day I'll post on LinkedIn. Yep. If I get a little surge of listens, I know it's from LinkedIn. Okay. Makes sense. Right. So I've I've tested that before because after I found Shield, I'm like, what is this for? Like why do mm. people need this? Yeah. Yeah. I've never so used Shield. That, I just see a lot of people talking about it on the platform. Yeah. And mm. that's that's how I got into it too. Mm. But I'm like, but why do people need this? Maybe I don't I don't, know. I don't know whether that's maybe more big company thinking, right? If you've got a social media manager who's dedicated to LinkedIn and they need to be showing their worth to the line manager or to the department head or to the CEO or the MD, going to them with all those vanity yeah. metrics and clicks and, oh, look at all this engagement that I got. I don't know whether that, that helps or you know whether you know really should helps. be looking more at the revenue side. I guess it depends on mm. your position too because like I work in companies where I'm like the person to get the leads but also to convert them to sales qualified leads. Yeah. And like, if you can't do that, you can have a million shares, but then no one wants to talk to you. Well, there's a problem. Mm, yeah. So I don't know, maybe it's a way to collect all of the posts. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure 
why people invest in shield but that's a great example mm. as do you really need that to help your mm. business mm. Mm, i would argue no goes but really back into yeah. the into the topic nicely there laura um so so we have to move on um the last point was around starting new projects um yes and i think again we did touch on it a little bit earlier but um yeah. i guess when you're starting a new project it's always the business plan and then you you've got the pnl for the new project and and when it's something brand new obviously the the budget's not always there or uh, you're having yep. to do things on a shoestring so so what's your recommendation here I'll start with an example. Mm. I started um, I started different projects at one point and I was like, oh my God, I should look into Asana. I should look into ClickUp so I can manage my projects. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, but why? I am one person again, okay? So obviously yeah. my example is very personal to me, but I know it trickles down into huge corporations as well where they invest in things that they don't need. I know mm -hmm. for a fact. <laughs> so when starting a new project and you're going through the budget, for example, and you write all the things you need, I, I think like the first step is really question, do you need all those things? Mm -hmm. Right? So just the other day I was working on a project for a client and I was going through all the budget and I'm like, I'm pretty sure we can start without these three things. Because yep. maybe in the future, I know that it'll come up, but I don't need it right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where people make a mistake. They have a project. They know where they pro the project is going to go. They think about all the things they need in advance. It's like having a book title without the book. Yep. At the beginning, yeah, you can plan for it later on. But sometimes you'll never end up buying that software. Because mm. the project goes in a different direction because the project got canceled so many things literally just look at what you need today or tomorrow that would be my biggest recommendation love it i don't think i can add any more there laura so i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna let that be the last point around uh, how entrepreneurs can get consumed by technologies we, we cover we covered so much ground there i've got about seven or eight pages of notes so so thank oh, you wow. for talking me and the listeners through those three points, just as a recap, we talked through the importance of being lean, mm -hmm. uh, how on social media you really need to take a step back and look at which channels or which social media platforms would be right for you and your business. Maybe just get started with one and look at the time investment and, and how you can put out the best quality content uh, and get the most out of that platform before you decide to move on. And then finally was around when you start new projects Make sure that you, you always think about uh, what you actually need versus what, what's nice to have uh, and get started. Just get started. Uh, and mm -hmm. then along the way, you can iterate and optimize based on changing requirements or as the project grows or based off customer feedback. Yeah, that's a pretty great summary. Fantastic. Well, Laura, to close, I wanted you to, to share with, the, with me and with the listeners one life or career lesson. Okay, so... A little background story, of course. That's what I've been doing this whole conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, I, I'm, I think it was a quote or someone told this to me. I don't remember. And they said, I'm pretty sure it's a quote, actually. It said, how are you going to be successful if you can't even get up in the morning? Mm. And I was like, whoa, 
I'm like, <laughs> I am the worst at getting up in the morning. I'm the worst at going to bed at night. How am I going to be successful if I can't do the basics? And that was the beginning of me changing my habits. And I learned that once you establish good habits and it becomes a habit to wake up earlier, it becomes a habit to have a nighttime routine and to be in bed by a normal time and to get your sleep and to take breaks throughout the day because that's super important, Mm. you become unstoppable. Because your habits is like, I don't know, like 60% of what we do all the time. So if Mm. you have good habits of reaching for fruit as opposed to a chocolate bar, that just becomes your habit. Mm. So obviously I'm not perfect, but I've changed so much from that one saying because yes, of course I want to be successful, but if I can't do the basics, how am I ever going to get there? And then I also interviewed leadership coach Eloise Gagnon. Yeah. And she said, if you're not willing to follow the person you are today, why is anybody else going to follow you? Mm. How are you supposed to lead others if you can't lead yourself? Yeah. And I was like, whoa, I have a lot of work to do. (laughs) (laughs) So just... And that, that's also part of my marketing, uh, not my marketing, my podcasting journey where I was just yeah. interviewing so many successful people with good habits. It really led me on a, in a direction where I was able to adjust my habits. And yes, again, I still have a lot of work to do, but I'm in a, such a better place now than I was a year ago. Mm. So my tip for everybody would be to reflect on your own habits and see how you can improve internally because that will get you way further ahead than you thought it could. If I could give you a like, Laura, uh, I would give you about a million likes. <laughs> that last uh, that last takeaway, it's so, so true. Thank you. In, in, in your career and in life, definitely yin and yang. Uh, it goes hand mm-hmm. in hand. And, and finally, how can people get in touch with you if they want to find out more? Yes. So I host the Marketing Bound podcast. Uh, Everyone can search marketingbound.com. It's a bunch of inbound marketing resources for service-based entrepreneurs. So blogs, podcasts, eventually other resources. And anybody can connect with me on LinkedIn, Laura L. Bernhard, or on Instagram at the Laura L. Bernhard. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today, Laura. I've really got so much value out of it. I know the listeners will as well. And uh, looking forward to to keeping in touch and, and having you on again soon, hopefully. Yes, amazing. Thank you so much for having me. You've made it to the end of another episode of Digital Transformation and Leadership. If you're enjoying the show, please do leave us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. No need to leave a written review. Just clicking on the five stars is enough. I'd really appreciate it as it helps the show get found and it helps those listener numbers grow. And we'll be back again next week when we will again go behind the scenes with another top business leader to understand how they're digitally transforming their company. The Digital Transformation and Leadership Podcast is a Blue Aurora Media Production.